On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview Kansas's second-to-last home game, taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Pretty big one for KU. Not necessarily the big top 25 showdown, but trying to lock up the Big 12. Got to take care of business at home. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also subscribe to us and find us on YouTube. Uh, you can also hear me on Rock Truck Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be previewing the Kansas-West Virginia matchup, uh, one of KU's more comfortable wins in the first half of Big 12 play. West Virginia kind of clinging to NCAA tournament hopes, KU clinging to Big 12 title hopes. So uh, a lot on the line in this one, even if there's not a number next to West Virginia's game name coming into the field house. First, this episode of Hawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. Kansas takes on West Virginia on Saturday Starts at 3 o'clock. Pre-game will start on uh, KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, at 1.30 on the radio side of things. So top storylines headed into this matchup before we get into what happened in the first go-around, the West Virginia scouting report, and then matchups of the game. Uh, top story number one, KU atop the Big 12 looking to secure a Big 12 title. They can't clinch the Big 12 title on Saturday, but they can just take care of business and continue to trend toward being in good shape. So as we discussed in yesterday's episode, the path for KU winning the Big 12 is a lot easier than the path for Texas. For Kansas, just win both your games at home versus West Virginia and Tech. Those are two of the bottom three teams in the Big 12. And then have Texas lose one of their next two on the road between at Baylor and at TCU. And then even if you lose the game in Austin, you still share the Big 12 at that point in time. Or if you just win out, you know, it, you win it all by yourself, right? Which which is even better. Or if you, I guess, lose one of your next two home games but then beat Texas, um, then possibly you could still win it outright if they lose one of the next two. So uh, what's interesting about this, too, with the game tipping off at 3 o'clock Central Time, the Texas-Baylor game tips off at 1 o'clock Central Time. That means that you will have known what happens in that Texas-Baylor game before we get into the Kansas-West Virginia game. If Texas beats Baylor... It's going to be a bit of, oh man, now it's down to either Kansas is going to have to beat them or TCU is going to have to beat them. And now we got to take care of business for sure. Whereas if, if Baylor beats them, you still have to take care of business versus West Virginia. That doesn't change, but it, it's almost like they send a bit of a relief, but also like a gasp of excitement of what could possibly happen now as Kansas could get into the driver's seat uh, into into next week so uh that'll certainly be interesting that it's right after that game that you can scoreboard watch first and then you get into the ku west virginia game kansas needing to take care of business in these next two home games with west virginia and texas tech at the very least and then you you see where the the chips kind of come out after that um meanwhile if, if you know your your texas your scoreboard watching you're rooting for west virginia as, as this one is kind of the top of the big 12 and even like kansas state and baylor they're one shot for either of those schools at getting at least share of the conference involves chaos happening. Either one of those would have to win out and then Kansas is going to have to lose one of these next two at the very least, and then lose at Texas. So uh, it, it does have big, big 12 title reverberations, 
But if you win this one, then um, you, you really set yourself up well, assuming Texas could lose at Baylor also. Storyline number two, Bill Self versus uh, Bob Huggins. This is always a fun storyline. These two guys are friendly off the court. Once they get on the court, they're both competitors and want to go at it and, and take down the other. But uh, two legendary coaches, two guys who really get along, two guys who have a great relationship. And, you know, you think back to some of the past matchups that have been had between these two coaches and these two schools, and, and there have been a lot of fun ones. Um, certainly, Kansas has gotten the better of West Virginia overall because they keep winning at home. And even though West Virginia has mostly had the better of Kansas uh, on their home court, I think they're just one game above 500 now on Bill Self there in uh, Morgantown. But uh, Kansas has at least earned some victories there, including earlier this season. And you think back to some of the the great comebacks the, of games that we've had. You've had um, the the one in outfield house that everyone remembers. You're in, what fourteen? I think it was sixty four fifty with like two minutes to go. When you come back, Devontae Graham hits the shimmy shake three at the left wing. That kind of the highlight that sticks out for everyone. You have the comeback. I, I think it was a year or two before where it was senior night for KU and they were down. You know, maybe 8, 10, 12 points, like a minute or two to go, and they just kind of grinded back, got back into it, and ended up winning the game. Uh, you have the comeback that was in Morgantown in Devontae Graham's senior year that they were able to, to overcome a big deficit. Those have all turned out well. I mean, for West Virginia, I'm sure they don't remember those as fondly. They probably remember more the games of, like, was it 2013-14 where um, Andrew Wiggins had, like, 40-whatever points, but West Virginia still won. They probably remember that well, pulling an upset. I think it was the next year that – KU uh, was like up one West Virginia went down and hit like a layup or something to go up one and then Kansas threw it down court to Perry Ellis and he couldn't slow himself down in time and he just missed kind of the open layup and they won like I'm sure those are the memories they remember but there have been a lot of classics a lot of really good games between these two teams now this West Virginia team isn't as good as some of those other ones that appeared in those games that I was just mentioning but uh, it's always fun whenever these two get together and uh you just hope that because it feels like West Virginia is inching close. Like it feels like eventually they're going to get a win in Allen Fieldhouse. They, they've been so close together. You just hope this isn't the one, certainly with how good Kansas has been and how West Virginia hasn't been as good as some of those teams in the past. You wouldn't expect it to be this one, but you just hope this isn't the one that that it does eventually happen. Uh, the last top storyline I have here is the, the meanings for the NCAA tournament for both these teams from the Kansas perspective. You're looking at being a one seed right now. You're in contention for the number one overall seed. At the very least, you're in contention to maybe get the number two overall one seed, which that would be important because you need to at least jump Houston to get the Midwest. And uh, then it's it's like, where is Kansas going to fall? Like, you know, uh, what does Kansas have to do to secure a one seed just in general? So those are all questions for KU. And this won't necessarily be their biggest win of the season. I think West Virginia right now would classify as a, a quad one win, but if, if you beat them by enough, then they might drop to quad two and then it gets all janky and everything. Uh, but for West Virginia, this game has huge NCAA tournament meanings as well. They're kind of a bubble team right now. You look at bracket matrix, most websites have them listed between a 10 to 11 seed. There are a few that maybe have them as a 12 or out of the tournament, but for the most part, the majority has them as a 10 to 11 seed. So they're in the tournament right now, but that's not a super comfortable spot. They go into Lawrence and they beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. They're probably feeling a lot more secure about their standing in the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, if they lose this game, it's not like a huge loss, but it's one less opportunity that they have, and they do need to kind of rack up the wins. So uh, certainly big NCAA tournament meetings, uh, meanings, even though it's uh, kind of at different ends of the spectrum for these two teams. 
We're going to get on to what happened in the first matchup and our scouting report of West Virginia in just a second. But first, this episode on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point spreads, threes drained. I love it. They always put up boosts on FanDuel that I I love to take. You got to take the, uh, I guess, positive extra points that that you're kind of getting there. Um, The game line and and player props haven't come out as of yet for the KU West Virginia game. You can bet on those as well with the player props. Um, It was a balanced scoring effort last time KU played West Virginia. All five starters were in double figures. So maybe it doesn't give you away one guy that that has like a matchup nightmare on the other team. But I'm just expecting KJ Adams to bounce back after having a, a tough game last game against TCU. So uh, we'll go with KJ Adams over points. You can bet on that on FanDuel. I bet you it'll be around 10 and a half, 11 and a half, somewhere in that range. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance of bigger payout with same game parlays. You can do that. Don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So what happened in the first matchup? Kansas won at West Virginia 76 to 62. And it was a game that, that KU started well. West Virginia had a bit of a run. They tightened it up toward half. KU uh, made a, a last second play at the end of half. I think they got fouled and, and hit a couple free throws to, to help extend it a little bit more so that they ended up leading uh, 42 to 35 at half. But it could have been a, a two possession game at, at half very easily. And then Kansas came out in the second half and, uh, the first 10 minutes, they held West Virginia to just eight points in the second half, expanded their lead, and they ended up winning by 14, able to coast the finish line. And, and that was amid the first half of the season when Kansas wasn't playing as well. They were having to have a lot of these comebacks. Now they're just a better team. The bench is a little bit better. Um, just overall, they're they're clicking a lot more. And, and so, you know, y- you just kind of assume that, hey, this one's an outfield house. You're playing better now. You have no excuses that you should shouldn't at least win this game, even if it's not by as many points as you did last time. As I said, all five starters ended up in double figures. Kevin McCuller had 12. He hit two threes. Um, How about that? He also had eight rebounds and three steals. Jalen Wilson had 14 rebounds. He also had 14 points. Maybe take the over on his uh, rebounds in the game. Dewan Harris had 11 points. He made three three three-pointers for you. He also had four assists. K.J. Adams had 14 points. Um, three rebounds and two blocks. Grady Dick had 16 points. He hit four three-pointers from the outside. And then you did get at least a little bench contributions. Bobby Pettiford had five points off the bench. Uh, you got only two from Joe. Zuby played four minutes. Zach played three. So Ernest Duda, who didn't play in the first meeting, and that might have been around when, when he was getting his like wisdom teeth out. I don't, I don't remember the timeline of that. Um, but they'll have him this time that they didn't have last time. So that's another boost that you have this go around versus the last go around. As far as uh, what went well for West Virginia, like Trey Mitchell had 15 points. He played well against Kansas in one of the meetings last year when he was at Texas. And then he he wasn't there for uh, the return trip down field house, but he played well again uh, this go around. Eric Stevenson was 0 of 5 from three. I wouldn't expect that to happen again into this matchup. Overall, West Virginia was just four of 20 from three. Kansas was 11 of 24. Kansas did not shoot well from two, 13 of 33. West Virginia was a little better, but not great either. 16 of 37, that's 39 and 43% respectively. Um, I would imagine West Virginia shoots better from three this game. I would imagine Kansas 
doesn't shoot as well that 46% from three in this game. But Kansas has done a much better job defending twos and getting easy twos as the season has gone on. Kansas also was lights out at the free throw line. West Virginia was not. So uh, a lot of these shooting numbers are maybe reasons why West Virginia could be closer. But again, Kansas is better overall. You're in Allen Fieldhouse, so you, you would hope that kind of negates that. Kansas was able to keep pace as the, the offensive rebound battle. They had 11. West Virginia, who's good at it, had 12. And uh, the turnover numbers were, were not great for KU, but they weren't terrible either. They had 13 of them in the game. Now, as far as, as what West Virginia does well coming into this matchup, if we look at conference-only numbers headed into this one, uh, offensively, West Virginia is fifth in the Big 12, so about middle of the pack. For Kansas defensively, they're third. But West Virginia is last in the conference in effective field goal percentage. That's because they're the worst two-point percentage team in the Big 12. Kansas, low-key, is number one in the Big 12 in two-point defense, even despite not having you know the classic seven-foot rim protector, although Ernest comes in, and I know he's like 6'10", but his wingspan is insane. He does give you 10, 15 minutes of rim protection, but KJ is actually a really good rim protector in that way and coming over and uh, kind of help defense. We know Kevin can get good blocks for you, so... Um, Kansas has been number one there. You would expect West Virginia to have a bad two-point shooting game, which could spell issues for them. They're kind of middle of the pack in three-point shooting. Kansas actually has the ninth best defense in the Big 12 in three-point defense, so maybe that's a little bit of bad luck that continue will revert for Kansas, or I don't know, maybe that says something about what they've kind of been. But the thing that West Virginia does really well on the offensive end, they are the number one team in the conference in offensive rebound rate. And, you know, when, when you're not a great shooting team, you almost have to do this to survive on the offensive side. But they're physical. They go after it. Kansas low-key, again, number two in the Big 12 in defensive rebounding rate. So they've actually been good there. But this is another challenge taken on West Virginia, who just moved in front of Baylor in terms of that offensive rebound rate. And uh, we saw that give Kansas troubles in the uh, meeting in Waco. On the other end of the ball, West Virginia defense hasn't been great. They're eighth in Big 12 only play in defense. Kansas is third and Big 12 only play on offense. Um, Kansas has just been kind of good at everything, but not number one in anything, which is kind of funny. But uh, West Virginia has the seventh ranked two point defense. So, again, that bad two point shooting you had in the first game should be a lot better in this game for Kansas. Uh, West Virginia does not really force a ton of turnovers. They're seventh in the conference there. They're 10th in steal rate in conference only games. Uh, this isn't like a great defense. The, the one thing they do well, again, similar to the offense, is rebound. They're third in the conference in defensive rebounding. So uh, the way that I view this is if Kansas plays with a lot of energy and is really good on the glass on both ends, doesn't necessarily mean you have to be better than West Virginia on the glass because that's their identity. They do it well. Um, but if you just, you know, you, you make it as close to a net neutral as possible, you're going to be more than okay. The way West Virginia hangs in this game pulls an upset or gets close to it is that they have one of those games where they do have 17, 18 offensive rebounds and you're just playing a little lazy out there going out. Ah, we're playing a lesser opponent. Uh, this cannot be one of those games because then they will punk you with their effort, athleticism, toughness, and strength inside. But if you take everything seriously, you rebound the way that we've seen them rebound in the games they've played. Well, Kansas is going to be more than okay in this game let's get on to our matchups of the game after a quick break on locked on jayhawks all right we're back for our matchups of the game between kansas and west virginia so let's just start right back to the rebounding west virginia's offensive glass versus ku's defensive glass um we've seen kansas be able to 
you know, hold their own in certain games. Then other games, they give up way too many offensive rebounds. Part of this, though, is also KU's offensive rebounding versus West Virginia's defensive rebounding. But, you know, in some games, like the TCU game earlier this week, TCU had 14 offensive rebounds. That's probably more than you would like to give up. But fortunately for Kansas, they had 13 offensive rebounds. Now, obviously, with more shots missed, there's going to be more offensive rebounds, as was the case earlier this week. So if you go by offensive rebounding rate, it's a little bit less than maybe those numbers would indicate. But um, I, I think that you head into this game and you go, well, West Virginia is probably a better defensive rebounding team than TCU. If we give up 14 offensive rebounds, it's going to be harder for us to get 13 to kind of neutralize that number. Like maybe we only get nine and those five extra possessions could be big for West Virginia. So just don't let things get out of hand. You know, they're going to get their offensive rebounds, but keep it to a reasonable number. Get a good amount of your own, even though they're good rebounding on both ends. Just don't let that aspect of the game take over the game. They can win in both areas. Don't let it take over the game. Avoiding foul trouble is uh, my next matchup here. That's been an issue for different Kansas players at times over the course of this season. Uh, for Jalen Wilson, he really avoided it all year long until the last two weeks. The Oklahoma State game and then the TCU game earlier this week were kind of the first two where that's been an issue for him. Dewan Harris, it was... Early in the season, like the first half of the season, Dewan was in foul trouble a lot. He's done a lot better job at, at getting out of that in uh, Big 12 play. Um, for Grady Dick, he was just in foul trouble in the first half against TCU. KJ has had foul trouble all season long, but that one makes a little more sense. He's an undersized center trying to play up against guys, right? So you're just going to kind of have to deal with the, the KJ and Ernest foul trouble. Like that's just part of being a center, I think, in, in what this team is doing. Um, Kevin McCullers had foul trouble throughout the year, fouling out against Kansas State, I think, both times. So uh, that'll be key, especially against a physical West Virginia team who is number one in the Big 12 in free throw rate, getting to the free throw line, essentially. Um, they don't shoot them at a high percentage. They're sixth in the conference, but they're number one in getting to the free throw line, basically, in the Big 12. So that means you're going to rack up some fouls. Key players for Kansas have to do a good job avoiding those fouls. And I think the the add-on to this matchup is you need good bench contributions because if that does happen, you need guys like Ernest Duday, Bobby Pettiford to come off the bench, play well, and give you good minutes uh, in the case of anything happening like the TCU game. As far as individual matchups, I have two that really stick out to me. Kevin McCullough versus Eric Stevenson. So we don't totally know what KU's defense is going to be coming into this game. It had been switching five, you know, for, for the first mostly half of the Big 12 play, it was switching four. Then the Baylor game came, and from then on, they were they were switching five a good amount in a lot of games. And then the second half of the Baylor game and the TCU game, they switched it up to, hey, we're just going to stick with Dewan on one of their best players and Kevin on one of their best players, and then we might switch some of the other stuff or we might just stick straight man-to-man -man on the other stuff. Does Kansas go back to switching four? Do they go back to switching five in a game like this? Because part of that strategy is dependent on who you're playing, right? It makes sense against Baylor. They have these three electric guards, so you try to take two of them out of the game as opposed to letting them uh, have Adam Flagler switch on to Jalen Wilson or K.J. Adams, who are both solid defenders, you know, average, above-average defenders, but when you get them in that situation, it's not ideal, especially compared to Dewan or Kevin McCuller. TCU, same thing. They have those two electric guards with Mike Miles and Damian Baugh. Well, with West Virginia, Joe Toussaint is a, you know, he's a, He's a solid point guard. He's kind of a game manager, good defender, sets people up kind of similar to like a, a, a light version of Dewan Harris. Like he's, you know, he's not as effective as Dewan Harris, but kind of the same idea there. Um, But they don't have that. Like, like their two big guys are it's Trey Mitchell, who's their power forward. 
and he's like six nine. So I don't think you're going to put Kevin on him. But uh, even if he if he switches on him, you're fine. But you're probably not sticking with him on him. It's mostly Jalen on him, and then Eric Stevenson, who is a guard. So if you do get the the stick on thing, maybe we do get Kevin McCuller on Eric Stevenson because that's their best score. He's a really good shooter. You try to limit him from impacting the game at a high level. But if not, it's just going to be switching, and we'll see. But again, he was 0 for 5 from 3 in the first game. He's a really good shooter. You expect that to improve in game number two. The other player matchup here is Jalen Wilson versus Trey Mitchell. And again, we don't know how everything's going to defend out, but uh, those are the two guys lined up at kind of the four positions against each other. Mitchell was really good in the first meeting for West Virginia. Uh, Jalen Wilson had those 14 rebounds in the first meeting, but it also wasn't a really efficient scoring game for Jalen. And I think what we we maybe found out a little bit is the teams who have good size and strength, because Jalen is so good at playing bully ball. And if he's on a, a similar size guy or, or slightly smaller wing, he's just going to bully him to the rim and hit like a layup over him or be able to bury him in the post. When you're playing a team like West Virginia, who has Trey Mitchell, who's got a little more length than Jalen Wilson, and then even if he gets by him, you have Jimmy Bell, who's like this 280-pound center clogging up the middle, you can't really play bully ball. And that's like, you go back to the Tennessee game, he struggled. That's a big physical team, right? Those are the teams where Jalen more so struggles against. Um, Obviously, if you're hitting threes from the outside, which that has been inconsistent for Jalen this season, but it's still been an improvement from last year, then it's not going to matter. But um, that'll be a really fun matchup to see who can kind of win out there. And if uh, Jalen can have a better scoring game than he did against West Virginia and a better scoring game than he did against TCU, uh, but certainly still impact things because honestly, his biggest contribution could just be his defensive rebounding in a game like this, like it was over in Morgantown. That's going to do it for uh, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We will be back on Monday to recap whatever happens between KU and West Virginia. You can reach out to me on Twitter at D Johnson radio. You can find us wherever you find any of your podcasts, subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a good uh, rating. If you're on anywhere, you can get a podcast that uh, that is the case. And we'll see you next time on locked on Jayhawks later.